Welcome to the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. They're, of course, great friends of Inside Carolina and great friends of you, the Inside Carolina subscriber. You get 10% off your order. If you are a premium subscriber, they've got everything you need. And so with spring coming up, they've got all the spring gear, getting ready to get warm in Chapel Hill. So visit them on Franklin Street or check them out online. Get what you need. Johnny T-Shirt, great friends, great sponsors. With the postgame podcast means Dewey Burke joins me, host Tommy Ashley, 87-67 Duke in the Smith Center on Saturday evening. Dewey, uh, what you got? Didn't feel that close, right? It, uh, unfortunately, you know, as bad as we played in the first half, you and I were texting that uh, they, they had somehow cut it to 11. And I thought if we could come out in the second half and, and get it to single digits, get it to sticks or something that you feel like the Duke guys would look up at the scoreboard and think, man, we played just about perfect for the first 23, 24 minutes of this game and we're up six. Uh, but obviously it went decidedly the other way that uh, 12-0 run, largely Griffin just uh, taking it himself and, and imposing his will. And the game was basically over three minutes into the second half, which is uh, which is frustrating because, you know, the crowd wanted to be in it. They wanted to be there for us. And we never gave them the opportunity to be a part of the story. And, um, you know, just uh, I thought our perimeter play was was pretty poor, very poor. And uh, despite everything Brady tried to do and, and leaky at times, Mondo never got in a rhythm. He got in foul trouble early and. Uh, but you know, we're a team that has to make shots to be successful. And we shot the ball very poorly, at least for the first, you know, the first 25, 30 minutes when only Brady made a shot and, uh, they're too talented to, to play that way and think you can beat them. Yeah. And, and you know, we mentioned, you mentioned a couple things there and I want to start off cause I, you know, it, I'll just flat out say it. I said it off the air and we talked about it text and I, I can't believe it started out with Baycott on Bancaro. I mean, we talked all week who would guard Bancaro, and Baycott was never an option that we discussed. Maybe we are, are not as smart as we think we are um, when we analyze this game, but it just seemed like a bad matchup. And while Bancaro didn't really go off, I felt like his ability to hit those couple shots in the first minute or so got Duke going and gotten everybody going and ultimately led to Baycott being in foul trouble. Yeah, it did. I thought the first foul was a bad call. I, I didn't think there was much there, but the second one was definitely a foul on the closeout. And if you're Armando, you, you cannot make that mistake if you already have one. Uh, can't speak to why he was on him or not. You know, for me, the, the ideal person was Leaky, but then you saw what happened when Leaky was on Bancaro. Griffin went off because Brady couldn't guard him. Um, so they, they, they present mismatches, however, we matched up. I agree. I would not have thought that Armando would have started on their their best player. Uh, but we were always going to struggle to guard them. We just had to make enough shots to stay in it and then hope that we could find a way to win at the end. And we obviously didn't do that, turn the ball over a ton in the first half. Uh, but to your specific point, I agree. I, I, that's not how I would have started. I don't know if Mondo maybe went to Hubert and, and asked for the matchup. Not that that's a reason to do it, but um, – 
I don't know. I, I agree. That's not what I would have thought. And uh, even though Bancaro didn't, he didn't fry us or anything. He hit those first couple and set the rhythm for them. And it's kind of off to the races. We unfortunately were never in it. You know, it's crazy. First half Carolina actually only had five turnovers, but they shot it so poorly and allowed Duke to get into it. Talk a little bit about as a player that's been on great teams. Um, it's not necessarily one guy gets hot. It's the rising tide lifts all boats, right? If the team gets comfortable and, Bancaro hit the first two shots. I was like, this is not good. Then he vanishes um, due to Leakey's uh, disappearing him. But Griffin gets hot, and Duke's just too talented. You mentioned the matchups. We talked about the matchups. It's a terrible matchup game for Carolina. But how important is it team-wide for guys to get shots early? Carolina is clearly uh, guards have to hit shots early, but Duke hits shots, and their entire team elevated it looked like. It did. They got very comfortable, and we didn't do anything to disrupt them. Um, even though Bancaro, as you said, and, and as I said earlier, didn't. It's not like he went crazy on us. What do you think? He shot five for fourteen. But if your best player hits a couple early, you know there's an intrinsic value to that. There's carryover. Your other guys see that, and uh, there's the vibes are a thing. You know, you feel that throughout the bench, and you feel the crowd get quiet. Um, all of a sudden you can talk like you and I are talking in an opposing arena that's got 22,000 people against you. And you can talk in your, your house voice because you've done things well enough to quiet the crowd. And that, that crowd so badly wanted to be in that game. Uh, but look, Duke shot 58% from the field. You're never going to beat anybody, let alone a team like that with a couple probable lottery picks, letting them shoot 58%. And, uh, it's unfortunate because. Uh, like I said a couple times, I, the crowd wanted to explode. They wanted to be a part of the story. And you give Duke credit. I mean, they, you know, we were down 10 before you blinked and they just never had an opportunity to get into it. And then even I texted you as, uh, you know, for a grade of F for how we played in the first half and we were down 11. And if we could have just somehow kept it at 11 and just scraped and clawed and found a way to get it to single digits, the crowd would have been with us and, and really could have impacted that game. But they're just, it was as soon as Griffin went off, there was no chance of that happening. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about Brady Manic. Of course, this Inside Carolina post game podcast sponsored by Johnny T shirt. Manic uh, was dog tired. Uh, I mean, he has looked tired for the last week or so, um, but we have to give him credit. I mean, he did everything in his power to keep. Carolina in it what do you when you're talking about it what do you think about his experiences at Oklahoma I mean it's not Duke, Carolina Duke but playing at Kansas and, and playing against good teams he looked like a guy and I tweeted it he looked like a guy that was not overwhelmed by the scene and sometimes I thought no. Caleb and RJ especially were certainly um, the bright lights came on and those guys struggled Manic did not yeah especially Caleb right I mean just you know, dribbling the ball off his own leg or just handed it to the other team. And I think the stack guys were were generous in not giving Caleb more turnovers. It felt like he had about six in the first half. Um, I don't know why our guards would feel that way. I mean, they if this is their third game of this rivalry, I know last year was different at their place, no fans at our place limited, but that shouldn't be a thing. I mean, they've played enough games. Uh, I thought 
look, Brady played his heart out. You know, I think he's the kind of kid that understands the moment. This is his only home game against Duke. And, and he played like it. he played his heart out. He, he is who he is, right? He's an excellent catch and shoot threat from the perimeter, a really good shooter, uh, showed a little versatility with the shot fake and going in and uh, finishing with the dunk, but he's by and large, he's a below the rim post player and against Duke's length and athleticism, you know, they, he got worn out and, uh, thank God he did shoot it well because this score could have been could have been even uglier. But uh, like you said, I mean, he's played uh, at Allen Fieldhouse. He's played against Oklahoma State, which is a huge rivalry for Oklahoma. Um, he obviously played against Baylor. Uh, that was a, a championship team. So he's played against plenty of good players and in big environments. And uh, I didn't think our guys were scared. I just I just think they played very poorly. And it's unfortunate on the biggest stage with all the buildup and you know, this is the one game when all my friends or people I haven't heard from, they're texting. Right? You hear from everybody on this day. And it's just uh, my, my text to everyone pregame was, if we make shots, we can win. We did not make shots. Yep. Uh, what did they shoot? It overall shot 40%, which is surprising because it didn't feel like 40%. It was down in the 20% range most of the time. Guard play. Um, don't mean to single them out, but they played a lot of minutes and it was important. Uh, three for 10 and four for 11, including one for eight from three points. Carolina has no shot um, to win a game when those guys are doing that. How, how does this team bounce back from a game like this? Um, Y'all didn't lose to Duke too many times, but when you lose a game that's so important, so big, so hyped up, um, the mindset of bouncing back, it's not as easy as just pressing the reset button. No, this one will sting. I mean, it's uh, – yeah, I never felt one like this when I was there and, you know, the, the, the games that I was a part of in, in obviously the limited capacity. But, um, yeah, look, they stomped us. And they, the, the score is not even indicative. This It could have been 35 uh, had we not – got some garbage buckets later. So look, the nice thing is we get to play them again. And uh, just as, as hyped and ready as our fans were tonight to be a big part of the story. So too, will they be at Cameron in a couple of weeks? And I, you can't think of a better story than going in just like we did in 2006 against JJ and Sheldon on their last game in Cameron. I mean, it's even, you know, multiplied by as many, exponents as you want to add for coach K's last game in Cameron uh you know so maybe they'll rise to the occasion they got plenty of games in between then but you do still have that one circle if you always think about it it's always on your mind especially if you lose the first one especially if you lose the first one which we did my junior year we lost at home uh JJ played great and we circled it immediately and even though you're not supposed to look ahead and just worry about the next practice it's still in the back of your mind that we get another shot at those guys. So, uh, you know, unfortunately it felt like at halftime tonight that they, we couldn't have played worse and yet we were only down 11 and, uh, and then Griffin got going in the second half and it was never much of a game. We can be a lot better than we played in this game tonight. Our guards can be a lot better. Armando has a chance to actually maybe be in the rhythm of the game. if He doesn't get in foul trouble. So we will, we will go into that game much like we went into Cameron in 2006 as a complete underdog. Nobody thought we could win. I remember texting my high school coach from the bus when we pulled up to Cameron 
saying time to shock the world. We really, really believed we were going over there to win. And we also believe, despite who JJ was, we believed we had the best player on the floor. We believed that 50 was the best player on the floor. And that night he was. Um, so they got to find some belief. And, uh, you know, they'll win some games. And, and I know everybody's talking about a, what do they call it, a quad one win or whatever it is. We got we got to get a, a one or two of those to to ensure that we're going to be a tournament team. But they'll be thinking about this game. I promise you, from tonight on, it'll be in the back of their mind and slowly move to the front. And they're going to be an underdog, just like we were. And uh, and they can go in there and win. Look, Duke's good. They're good, but they're not the best team in the country. Uh, they don't scare anybody, in my view. They're talented, but our guys are good enough to beat them. They just got to play a hell of a lot better than they played tonight. Yep, I agree with you there. Game's about matchups, but if you don't shoot well, matchups don't even matter. Carolina shot it poorly, and you're right. I'm not sure Duke can play much better than they played, um, but I'll give you North Carolina can play a lot better than they did. It gives them hope. <laughs> Playing against Duke and Cameron on Coach K's last game, yeah, who knows how that one will go, but – to your point, Caroline's at least got a shot. Dewey, I always appreciate you coming on these podcasts. I know it's tough after these games. We talked to Bobby Frazier on Inside Carolina Live earlier today. He was clearly stoked about the game, clearly still uh, breathes it, lives it. And I know how important it is to you guys and you former guys. Uh, fans think it's important to them. I know it's much more important to you guys. I appreciate you coming, man. Yeah. Yeah, I wish there was a better, uh, better story to tell, but it wasn't our night. Special thanks to Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Rate us, review us, subscribe, like us, all that stuff on the social medias. We'll be back again. Carolina Falls to Duke, Clemson on Tuesday night down in Little John. We'll talk again then.